What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. Let's call him Joseph, or maybe Jacob, or Isaac. I don't know. You pick a good Jewish name. Imagine, though, that this man, this Jewish man, is now walking along with his hands bound together. He's in handcuffs, and and he's being pushed along with a long line of Jewish males and women and children all being shoved along. Shoved along, leaving a city burning in ashes behind them. Now imagine that city is Jerusalem. And this man is part of the long line of prisoners being taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. This man, see, has been practically starving for months as the siege has gone on for over two years. At this point, he's nearly skin and bones, and he has no clue where his wife and children are either, because they were probably separated in the mad dash to get out of the city before it was burned to the ground. The date is 587 B.C., and Judah as a country is no more. And Jerusalem, their beloved city, is no more. This is the third and final siege by Nebuchadnezzar, and this time, God wiped Judah out. Now again, imagine that this man is a follower of Yahweh. He has been a Yahweh loyalist and true to Yahweh his entire life, and, and yet here he is being punished alongside the rest of the Jewish people, many of whom had abandoned Yahweh years before. And as he is being deported to Babylon, I wonder if he notices some of the men wearing jewelry celebrating another god, or they have tattoos celebrating the god Baal or the goddess Ishtar, and and he wonders why does he have to suffer along with these idiots who ignored the curses God promised if they disobeyed in Deuteronomy 28. I mean, they knew those curses. Why didn't they obey? 
I chose to obey. That's what the man thinks. I chose to obey, but this man is still suffering. And imagine if this man begins to wail and lament as to why do I have to suffer? And he wails and cries out, and then he bumps into someone. He recognizes him right away. It's Jeremiah. It's the prophet Jeremiah. And he looks at him and he's also handcuffed and being led away and deported to Babylon. And and he has a scribe. Yeah, Baruch, Baruch. He's also chained up and being shoved along down the road. A, a criminal, a slave to be taken all the way back to Babylon. Hey, hey, it's you, Jeremiah, the man says. I, I can't believe we've been led away. I can't believe it's all over. You know, says Jeremiah, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be this way at all. I know, says Jacob. We'll call him Jacob. I know, says Jacob. If the people had responded and turned back to Yahweh, God would have been kind to them and forgave them. And you told them this over and over again and would have spared Jerusalem. Yes, says Jeremiah, but even more than that. I told King Zedekiah that it did not need to be this way. It did not need to be this way. Well, says Jacob, we have enough time. You might as well tell me the story. And so, Jeremiah begins. He mentions how he was imprisoned in a cistern and how he had been rescued by faithful Ebed-Medic. But at that point, even though he'd been pulled out of the cistern, he was still a prisoner, right? But at least he could breathe. He was out of that underground chamber, and well, now he's surrounded by guards in the palace courtyard. He was still a prisoner, but at least he was out of that terrible hole. And now he could begin to preach and talk to people and tell them of God's coming judgment. Well, one day, King Zedekiah met with Jeremiah secretly. Remember, he did that earlier when Jeremiah was in the prison at Jonathan's house. But, but this time he met with him secretly in his palace. He pulled him from the prison in the courtyard and, and met with him at the third entrance to the temple. That's what the Bible says. We have no clue where this entrance was. It may have been a secret entrance that connected the palace to the temple. And there Zedekiah and Jeremiah met. Zedekiah asked him, Hey, Jeremiah, what's my future? What will happen to me and the nation of Judah? Jeremiah responded, If I tell you, you won't listen anyway, and you'll probably kill me, so, so why should I tell you? Zedekiah promises him that nothing will happen to him just to tell him the truth. And he, he makes Jeremiah promise to tell him the truth. So, Jeremiah tells him. And the truth is this, that Zedekiah and Judah need to surrender to the Babylonians. 
that if they surrender, this city would be saved and that Zedekiah would survive. All Zedekiah had to do was obey God's command, and all he had to do was surrender to King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. That was it. But if Zedekiah did not do that, then the people would suffer. The city would be burned, and Zedekiah's family would not survive. Obey God, it's that simple. That is all Zedekiah had to do to avoid what happened. Obey God. Do what he asks. Zedekiah, he listens, and in the end chose not to obey. See, he was afraid of man more than afraid of God. He was afraid that the Judeans who had defected already would attack him and beat him up and probably kill him. He was afraid also of the other officials. He was so afraid, he asked Jeremiah to not let the other officials know what they had talked about. And he knew the other officials would be totally against him giving in and saying, hey, you know what? I will allow myself to be taken captive by the Babylonians. They were totally against any type of surrender. In fact, he was so afraid of these officials that he, he knew they would find out about their secret meeting. And so he asked Jeremiah to not reveal the true nature of their conversation. And Jeremiah promised, and, and he did just that. And Zedekiah was right. The officials found out. And, and when they came to ask him what Jeremiah and Zedekiah talked about, Jeremiah said what Zedekiah asked him to say, which was the truth. And he didn't reveal completely the top secret stuff him and Zedekiah talked about. He told the truth of what they had talked about, but he didn't reveal it all. Because Jeremiah knew if he did reveal it, that Zedekiah and Jeremiah would be killed by these same officials. So Zedekiah chose to be afraid of these officials, of the Babylonians, of the Judeans who had been captured by the Babylonians. He basically chose to be afraid of man rather than God. He chose the fear of man over the fear of God. And in the end, Jerusalem was defeated and destroyed. The Babylonians finally broke down the wall surrounding Jerusalem. And in the chaos, Zedekiah tried to escape, but he was caught and brought back to King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar at that point was in a city called Mizpah. And there, King Nebuchadnezzar grabbed all of Zedekiah's family. And he killed them, and especially he killed his sons right in front of him. Every one of his sons, every one who could possibly be heir to the throne. And then, with that being the last thing he saw, King Nebuchadnezzar burned out his eyes and blinded him. And then Zedekiah was put in chains and hauled off to Babylon, never 
to be heard of again. But it didn't have to be this way, he laments Jeremiah. It didn't have to be this way. All he had to do was obey. Obey Yahweh and he would have lived. And our beautiful Jerusalem would still be standing, says Jeremiah. As Jeremiah and Jacob turn around and look. Jerusalem is being burned to the ground. You know, my question is, are we the same today? You know, has has a lot changed? Or, or do we still live in the fear of men rather than the fear of God? You know, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, tells the story of Peter and the apostles. They went out to Jerusalem and, and they began to preach and people were getting saved. Well, the Jerusalem council captured them and put them in prison and beat them up and basically said, you know what? We will not arrest you. We will not put you in prison. We will not hurt you. You just have to quit preaching Jesus Christ. And then Peter and the apostles in Acts 5.29 replied with this famous phrase, We must obey God rather than man. We must obey God rather than man. And Zedekiah didn't live that at all. We also have the story of Daniel, right? All he had to do was stop praying to Yahweh, stop praying to God. And he wouldn't be thrown into the lion's den, but he chose to obey God. To pray three times a day because that's what God called him to do. And he chose to do it because he feared God rather than man. And all across this world today, there are Christians who are choosing to stand up for their faith. Who are choosing to proclaim the name of Jesus in countries where they're told, if you do that, I'm going to throw you in prison. If you do that, you're going to lose your job. If you do that, you're going to get in big trouble. But they choose to proclaim Jesus anyway. Why? Because they've got to, and they ought to, and they must obey God rather than man. And so Jeremiah Baruch and thousands of others were being taken all the way from the promised land to Babylon. And many of them would never return again. Jeremiah wonders if that's his fate as him and Baruch are being pulled along when all of a sudden he hears a voice. Jeremiah! Jeremiah and Jeremiah turns around and and there he sees a Babylonian official later on he's going to find out he is the captain of the Babylonian army coming towards him I mean this guy is a high mucky muck official he is really really important he talks to King Nebuchadnezzar himself well this official and his name is Nebuzaradan he pulls Jeremiah and Baruch out of the train of deportees. And maybe Jeremiah waves goodbye to our imaginary friend Jacob as he's hauled all the way to Babylon. Well, Nebuzaradan begins to unchain them. See, 
He has been told by his boss, King Nebuchadnezzar, to find Jeremiah and to set him free. Then Nebuzaradan tells him something really interesting. He says that God had sent them, the Babylonians, to punish Judah. It says in Jeremiah 40, verse 2, that the captain pulls Jeremiah aside and says to him, The Lord, Yahweh, your God, threatened this place with this disaster, and now he has brought it about. The Lord has done just as he has threatened to do. This disaster has happened because you people sinned against the Lord and did not obey him. He essentially tells him that God had sent the Babylonians to punish Judah and this pagan guard must have been listening somehow to Jeremiah, or maybe he'd read the scrolls with Jeremiah's prophecies on it, or or I think Nebuchadnezzar, he'd been talking to a guy named Daniel, and Daniel knew of the prophecies and knew what was coming, and, and Nebuchadnezzar had a sense that he was being used by God to punish the Jewish people and the people from Judah. And there, with all these people mingling past them, Nebuzaradan gives Jeremiah a choice. He can join them and go with these deportees to Babylon. Nebuzaradan says, if you choose that, he promised that he, Nebuzaradan, would take care of him and that no harm would befall Jeremiah. Or Jeremiah could stay here in Judah. And if he did stay, he could live wherever he wanted. All of the land was before him. And so, Jeremiah has a choice. And you know what he chose to do? He chose to stay in Judah. And as he was leaving, Nebuzaradan left him some food and some supplies. And, and then he encourages them, go and live near the governor Gedaliah. He's the new governor that the Babylonians had set up to rule that area. And Nebuzaradan says Gedaliah would keep Jeremiah and Baruch safe. So that is what Jeremiah did. He stayed with or around Gedaliah, the new governor. Now Gedaliah's plan was to appease the Babylonians and to not fight their rule in any way. You know, Zedekiah had tried to break free, Jehoiakim had tried to break free, but not Gedaliah. He is going out of his way to please the Babylonians. Well, sadly, this did not go down well with some of the Judeans who had stayed behind, but it did begin to please others. In fact, some Judeans returned to the land from, from the countries they had run to, like Edom. Some of the Judeans who had run away during the siege, they started to come back when they heard that peace had finally come to Judah. Gedaliah did not seek a fight, and he was encouraging everyone who was left behind and the people returning to plow a field, start a farm, and grow produce. And Jeremiah and Baruch, yes, they ended their days blissfully happy, living in Judah, prophesying to Gedaliah and the people left behind. No, that's not what happened. Sadly, we as Americans would love for that to have been the ending, right? But that is not what happened. 
See, one day, one of Gedaliah's friends, a guy named Johanan, he came and told the king that the king of Ammon was sending Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was uh, was a Judean from the line of David who had some type of claim to the throne. Well, this king of Ammon was sending Ishmael to kill Gedaliah and to take his claim to the throne. And Johanan said, I'll take my warrior friends and we'll go to Ammon and kill Ishmael and, and we'll just get it done with. But Gedaliah wouldn't listen. He did not believe that some Ammonite king would want to see him dead. Or even that Ishmael, a Judean, would want to kill one of his own countrymen. The land was peaceful under Gedaliah. Ishmael could come back. The land had rest. And Jeremiah and Baruch seemed to have some vestige of happiness in all of this at last. But sadly, it was all to end. For Johanan was right. And Ishmael did come back. And Gedaliah even received him and held a dinner in his honor. And at that dinner, Ishmael killed or assassinated Gedaliah. He then killed a bunch of other officials in the city. Now, at this point, they're not in Jerusalem. They're in this city called Mizpah. That became the capital of Judah. Well, Ishmael kills Gedaliah, kills the other officials in the town of Mizpah. Then the next day, Ishmael kills 80 men, 80, who had come to worship at the temple and to ask forgiveness and to seek Yahweh's face and to repent. They didn't even know what was happening when they were killed. Ishmael executes them all. Then he captures others in the town of Mizpah. And then he captures the daughters of the king and he drags them all the way back to his headquarters many miles away. And in the middle of all this is Jeremiah and Baruch. At the end of it all, the people who were captured end up being rescued. Yes, great, they end up being rescued. Guess by who? Johanan. And they're brought all the way back to Judah. Johanan tries to kill Ishmael, but Ishmael escapes. But at least the people are now rescued and are now saved. And thanks to Johanan, everything's great. Well, the Bible says Johanan is an arrogant man, which means he's not a wise man. And Johanan is now afraid the Babylonians will come back and seek some sort of revenge for the death of Gedaliah, the governor they had put in place. And they would try to blame his death on Johanan and his friends. So they turn to Jeremiah and they ask him, what should we do? Well, Jeremiah, he says, all right, I will seek the Lord for an answer. You need to give me 10 days. And after 10 days, I will give you an answer. So Johanan and his warrior friends and all the people there, they agree. So Jeremiah seeks the Lord's face for 10 days and then he comes back with an answer. And the answer from Yahweh is this, stay. Stay in Judah. Yahweh wants them to stay and, and he'll help them to rebuild. That's it. God wants them to stay. But Johanan, he doesn't believe Jeremiah. 
He thinks Jeremiah said to stay because Baruch wants to see Johanan and all the other warriors with him killed. He doesn't trust Baruch, which makes him not trust Jeremiah, which makes him not trust the word of the Lord. He's just trying to waffle his way out of obeying God. So instead of listening to Jeremiah, instead of obeying God, they run to Egypt. Now the thing is, Jeremiah says, God says to stay. And then Jeremiah also added, God says, do not run to Egypt. God specifically told them to not go to Egypt. But that is exactly where Johanan decides to go, even though God told him not to go there. God told him that if they go to Egypt, that they would all be killed, either by the sword, famine, or plague. Just like Zedekiah. Johanan and the people didn't want to obey God. and Instead, they just trusted in their own thoughts. They trusted in their own selfish desires. And so Johanan and the people leave Judah and they go all the way to Egypt. And you know what? They take Jeremiah and Baruch with them. They force Jeremiah and Baruch to go with them to Egypt. And so Jeremiah ends up in Egypt, the very place God says not to go. He was forced to go there. And there the people continue to worship their other gods. Specifically, the Bible says the women and men worshiped the queen of heaven and burned incense to her and offered sacrifices to her. Well, Jeremiah can't let this stand, right? And he prophesies against this detestable practice. He reminds the people that it is because of this sin that they ended up in Egypt. And that it is because of this sin that pestilence and plague and famine and sword and war will come. You would think hearing this and being reminded once again of the disaster and doom the people brought upon themselves because of worshiping other gods, that the people would stop, that they would obey. But there, in Egypt, the people showed how hard their hearts were. They said no. In fact, they doubled down on the worship of these idols. They pointed out that it was when they stopped worshiping and burning incense to the Queen of Heaven, that is when disaster came upon them. But you know, that wasn't true. You know how quickly people forget these curses, these calamities are upon them because of Yahweh, because God promised in Deuteronomy 28 that if they did not obey, all of these curses would follow. This doom and destruction is from the Lord and would not be stopped by doing this evil practice of worshiping other gods. Instead, if they really wanted to change course, to have God's favor once again, they needed to stop worshiping idols and worship the one true God, Yahweh. And that is the last year of Jeremiah and Baruch. They're stuck in Egypt. And they are there because of the sins of other people. Jeremiah and Baruch tried to warn them to not go. They tried to fight and serve and minister back in Jerusalem, but to no avail. Instead, arrogant men brought him and his scribe to the very place he should never have been. And that is the way the story ends. We don't know what happens to Jeremiah or Baruch. All we do know is that as we leave Jeremiah's story, he is stuck in Egypt.
Now, we in America, we love a happy ending. We want an ending where Jeremiah is listened to, the doom is averted, and the people repent, and it all ends happily ever after. But, you know, that's the great thing about the Bible. It tells the truth. Jeremiah suffered because the people loved their sin rather than God. But Jeremiah was different. He chose to follow God, and so did a remnant within Israel. But they all suffered along with the sinful people. Jeremiah and the faithful remnant did what was right, but they still suffered along with the people. Jeremiah suffered the consequences of national judgment by God. He suffered even though he did right. Now, how do we answer that? How do we make sense of that? Well, in Jeremiah 45, I think we find the answer. And in Jeremiah 45, God turns to Baruch. And and it's a very short chapter. It's literally five verses. And it says that the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Baruch. And Jeremiah says, the Lord God of Israel has a message for you, Baruch. You have said, I feel hopeless, for the Lord has added sorrow to my suffering. I am worn out from groaning. I can't find any rest. See, Baruch is sad. He's upset. Now, when this message comes to Baruch, it comes way earlier in Jeremiah's life. And Baruch is just upset of all the suffering that is going on and all the suffering that he'll have to face. And why does he have to suffer because of all the idiot, sinful behavior of those around him? And God says, I've heard your lament. I've heard you say, I feel so hopeless. And I heard you say, the Lord has added sorrow to my suffering. It is sad. Baruch had to be on the run for most of his life, right? He had to be in hiding with Jeremiah, the fear of death every day. But then verse 4, the Lord tells Jeremiah, tell Baruch. The Lord says, I am about to tear down what I have built and to uproot what I have planted. I will do this throughout the whole earth. Are you looking for great things for yourself, Baruch? Do not look for such things, for I, the Lord, affirm that I am about to bring disaster on all humanity. And here's the key. But I will allow you, Baruch, to escape with your life wherever you go. Baruch, there will be suffering. Baruch, there will be hard times. But in the end, Baruch, trust me. In the end, Baruch, you have got to focus on me. And as one author put it, what we learn from the whole life of Jeremiah in many ways is that the hope of a godly person in the midst of national judgment is to be fixed firmly on God. You know, it reminds me of the book of Habakkuk. And the prophet Habakkuk, who at the end of his great lament about what is happening to the people around him and how God can allow the the sinful to prosper, Habakkuk says in chapter 3, verse 17, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. 
Habakkuk says, no matter what happens, no matter how bad things go, I will trust. And I think that's what Jeremiah and Baruch say. We had to obey God, and we had to focus on God, and we had to trust in him. And that was the most important thing. And though the crops fail, yet I will trust in my God. Though I end up in sorrow and pain and stuck in Egypt, far away from the promised land where I should never have been, I will trust in God. And we as Christians can trust that no matter what we face, when life doesn't seem fair, when things don't seem right, we obeyed God, we trusted in him, we did what was right, but we are suffering. We can trust at the end of the day that God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus suffered that same thing on the cross and prepared for you a home in heaven promised you pleasures at my right hand forevermore. If you know the Lord is your Savior, obey, trust in him, and focus that I have got a home in heaven with my Savior Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's all that we have. But at the end of the day, that's all that we need. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.